are thinking, what's going on with my family? We do not have a baby yet, but we are good, lacking no good thing. I've had people call and text me, and do you need anything? I'm getting so much out of this, I'm almost going to say, you know what? Yeah, come cut my grass. Would that, would that be wrong in August? That's, <laughs> and y'all would. People are like, what do you need? It's amazing. So this morning, I got a text at 3 in the morning. Taylor got a real bad viral infection. That's why Chris stepped in the middle of the night. Thank you so much, worship team, to do that. You know, we are not in the best place in our life uh, with baby and everything, but we lack no good thing. Nor did we lack any good thing at this church this morning, did we? You see, because when we bear one another's burdens, we so fulfill the law of Christ. And it's like, wow, this is great. Everything's good. This is the beauty of the people of God and the house of God. Amen? Amen. A couple of announcements here. Number one, September 6th. It is our volunteer appreciation dinner, which is most of you. We want to see you here. This is a fun time to celebrate you, 6 p.m. We'll have dinner. We'll have fun. It's just a time to celebrate the people who do everything at this church. By many hands, the work of God is done. That's the local church. By many hands, the work of God is done. So there it is. We look forward to seeing you. And then secondly, ladies, you have a ladies' breakfast. That is September 28th, 9 a.m., September 28th, 9 a.m., right here at the church for a ladies' breakfast. And uh, Pastor Mike Ware and Jeannie Ware, his wife, one of my other overseers, will be in that weekend. She'll be doing that. So I have my other overseer in for the first time, even though he lives on the other side of town, but so excited that he's here. I woke up this morning, and let me intro him. I woke up this morning, I was thinking about a scripture, and I just thought about my life over the last many years. See, Todd Menard, most of you know, he's a senior pastor of Family Life. I went there as a teenager. Todd knew me when I was a teenager. Now listen, if someone will love you through those teenage years, as an intern at the church who just does goofy stuff, it was me who put the hole in the wall, Todd, okay? I did it. We were playing at night, and it was all clean fun, but we put the hole in the wall. We just did goofy stuff, and he just loved us and worked with us, right? Those are the people you want to have involved in your life, people that love you, that'll help just father you and love you. And I want to read this scripture right here. I woke up this morning thinking about this. This is Proverbs 18, 1. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. We live in an isolationist culture. It's easy to, right? I mean, you have your phone. You kind of have the world there. But it is an unwise thing to isolate yourself and to live separate from the body of Christ, separate from authority and people who love you and can speak into your life. We want to have wisdom. And this is it right here. We don't isolate ourselves, and I don't want to ever isolate myself because in my flesh, there's no good thing, and I'll just want to isolate. You know what I'm talking about, men, right? You just want to isolate and just get away from everything and go live in a cave somewhere. <laughs> That's not a good idea. So I just want you to think about that. That's what the culture of health is in a church, that we don't isolate ourselves, and we have health, and we have joy and vigor. All right, Todd Menard, come up. He's going to preach today. Give him a hand. Amen. Well, so glad to be here. Y'all doing okay this morning? Y'all glad to be in church? That was pretty weak. Y'all glad to be in church? Well, it's good to be with y'all. It is an honor to be here. 
uh, it's the first time I get a chance to come to Foundations Church, and uh, but we've been with you in spirit and uh, however else we could support uh, Stephen and Megan as they launched uh, this church. But, um, you know, as Stephen said, we have been knowing each other for a long time, and there's a little bit of um, history that I just wanted to share with y'all. Isn't Pastor Stephen and Megan doing a great job here at Foundations Church? Come on, let's just honor them and just thank God for them. Uh, you know, Stephen, uh, whenever Tanya and I were doing youth pastoring uh, a few days ago, and uh, we, were, we were doing that for about five years, and during that time, we had, a, um, we had a shift in our youth group where we had a bunch of strong youth that graduated out and moved on to college and whatever, and then we had a new influx that came in, and they weren't as spiritual as the other group. And so, you know, I would be out there trying to teach them, and there'd be a guy in the back pew playing his rock and roll guitar, and they'd be passing notes. And, man, I was getting really discouraged, and I started praying, God, would you send some people in the youth group that love the Lord and to help kind of turn this tide here, you know? And so Miss Gwen Bowen shows up with her three that are on fire for the Lord. Amen. And there was another family that came with a few. And so the Bowen family turned the tide for Tanya and I, and we were back on track. And then after Stephen got older, we, went, uh, we hired a youth pastor to replace me, and we planted him in Sugarland, Texas. And Stephen followed him to Sugarland to help him plant that church. And then he went off to ORU and, uh, and then to, uh, to Colorado and then back to Lafayette to plant this church. So, Stephen, I'm proud of you, man. You're doing a great job. God bless you. Amen. Y'all ready to get into the Word? Come on. I'm going I'm I'm to try to coach you up. Y'all ready to get in the Word? All right. All right. Let's pray and ask the Lord to help us. Father, thank you for this day. God, thank you for your presence. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for your anointing in this room. God, I pray, help me to teach. Help me to preach your word today. And I pray, God, that you give us ears to hear and that you would help us, Lord, to just receive your word today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I want to talk to you about miracles. How many of you believe in miracles? Uh, you know, what is a miracle? It's when God suspends the laws of nature and he moves supernaturally in your life. How many of you have ever experienced a miracle in your life? You know, I'm sure many of you have. A miracle is an intervention of God's mercy and grace into your situation or your circumstance. And so, you know, all of us at some point in our life, we need a miracle in our life. And you might need a miracle in your life right now. And so, you know, I believe that even though you don't necessarily need a miracle, I believe it's good to, to believe God for a miracle in your life of some sort and fashion. How many of you know that he's still in the miracle-working business? Amen? And so today I want to talk to you about how do you receive a miracle? If you want a miracle in your life, how do you receive it? I'm going to try to unpack that for you. In uh, Jesus was a miracle-working God, wasn't he? And he did thousands of miracles. In fact, in Acts 10, 38, it says that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and he went about doing good and healing 
all who were under the power of the devil because God was with them. God anointed Jesus to be a miracle working God. In fact, John says that he did more miracles than we could even record in books. In John 21, 25, it says that Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written out, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. And so the entire life of Jesus was characterized by miracles. He did one miracle after another miracle. And as you follow or read the life of Jesus in the Gospels, you'll see that he was a miracle-working God. In fact, in the four Gospels, there are 35 miracles that are recorded there. And with each miracle that Jesus did, he did a miracle to try to meet the need or help some person that was in a crisis. And so God, as he did back in biblical times, is still doing miracles today. And I think you and I should begin to believe God and expect God to do a miracle in our life today. Amen. And so what kind of miracles should we expect? You know, five primary types of miracles Jesus did when he walked on the earth was the, was the first one, the miracles over nature. And, uh, you know, a miracle of nature was when the Lord suspends the laws of nature and performs a miracle over natural things. And, you know, an example of that, remember when Jesus was in the boat with his disciples and they encountered this storm and uh, they thought they were going to drown. And so they wake Jesus up. And you remember in Luke 8, in verse 24, the disciples went and woke him up saying, Master, Master, we're going to drown. And he got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Now, the, now Jesus performed a miracle that day, exercising authority over the winds and the waves. The disciples said, oh my goodness, what kind of man is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? How many of you believe God is a God of miracles? And so, you know... Um, Somebody said, well, you know, we can't expect God to do a miracle for us over like nature today. But, you know, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says everything is possible to them that believe. How many of you believe, right? You know, just recently we had this hurricane, uh, this tropical storm that became a Hurricane Barry. I don't know if you, I'm sure y'all were watching the news uh, coverage on it and all that. You know, somebody said, you know, Hurricane Barry should have been called Hurricane Barely. Like it barely made it here, right? But you know, uh, you know, I was watching the news, and I remember Rob Perillo, and he's, you know, he's got his his graph, you know, and he he's showing everybody what's going on, and he said, and there's some kind of magical wall right here, and it's keeping all the rain showers out over the waters, and so we don't know why that is, and I'm just grinning because I think it's the I think it's the prayer of the saints, Amen. Say, Lord, oh, we don't want another 2016, Lord, help us out here. Are y'all with me? And so here's the application of that point. Whenever you're having a barbecue and you see the rain clouds forming, just take a moment and say, Lord, would you hold back the rain right now so we can have this barbecue? I believe that God is a God of miracles and he's still doing miracles today. Amen. The second type of miracle Jesus performed was the miracle of supply or the miracle of provision. And another example of this is as you follow the life story of Jesus is when Jesus and the disciples uh, went into Capernaum and they, they went to the temple and they needed to pay temple tax. And of course, they didn't have any money. And so they and, and so they said, hey, we shouldn't have to pay temple tax should we, Jesus? The disciples were saying, and he said, yeah, we, we need to pay. And so he tells them to go fishing. Remember that? 
And so in, in Matthew 17, 27, he said, go down to the lake and throw in a line, open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you will find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the tax for both of us. How I many of you know that's a miracle right there? I mean, I've caught a lot of fish in my life, but there's never been any coins in the mouth of the fish that I've caught. That's a miracle. But you know what that is? That's a miracle of supply. They had a need in their life, a financial need, and God did a miracle. Do y'all believe in, in, in God, supernatural provisions from God today? I want to encourage you today. You might need a miracle of provision, a miracle of supply. Well, I want to tell you, Jesus is still in the miracle-working business today. Amen? The third type of miracle Jesus performed was the miracle of healing. And again... Uh, you know, there's so many stories of Jesus healing. And there was this little lady. You remember, she had been bleeding for 12 years and she had spent all the money that she had uh, going to doctors, trying to get a, a cure for her bleeding, uh, trying to get healed. And the Bible says, in fact, she spent all her money and she didn't get better. She actually got worse. And then she heard about Jesus. And the scripture says in Matthew 9, 20, just then when a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak, she said to herself, if only this cloak, if, if only uh, if I can only touch this cloak, I will be healed. And Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed from that moment. Do y'all believe in healing today? Does Jesus still heal people today? Yes, he does. He's still healing today. And so, listen, sometimes we get so accustomed, we get inoculated with Christianity, and we forget about all these provisions of serving God. And I want to encourage you today, God is doing miracles, and I want you to believe God for a miracle in your life. Amen. So Jesus, just as uh, he created our bodies, he can also heal our bodies. Amen. You know, I was thinking about this, and just a few weeks ago, I got a call from a friend, and he was up there at Lourdes Hospital, and uh, in fact, his wife called me and said, you know, uh, he's not doing very well. Could you please come and pray for him? And uh, I didn't know he was even sick, and so I went over there, and he'd got some kind of bacterial infection. He was in severe pain. He was, he, they couldn't keep him warm. They had all these blankets on him, and, and he was shivering, and he had this panic in his face, and, and his wife uh, was also just, you could tell, she was filled with fear. And so I walked in the room, and I said, well, let's pray. And we began to pray, and as we began to pray, I just felt like I got a word of knowledge for him that part of what he was dealing with was a was a spiritual oppression that was upon him and over his family. And so I just shared it with him. And I said, I think we need to pray and break that oppression off of you. And he said, certainly. And so we prayed and the presence of God just gloriously just filled the room. And we were all crying. And, and, uh, and all of a sudden, he started sweating. His fever broke. And, uh, and, and from that moment, his health started turning around. And he told me when we got through praying, he said, you know, as soon as y'all took authority over that oppression, the pain in my body just totally left. And he hadn't been in pain since. I believe that God is still doing miracles today. And he wants to do miracles for his children. How many of you are a child of God? You are recipients of the miracles of God. Amen. The fourth type of miracle Jesus performed was the miracle over demon powers. Now, in, in Mark chapter 1 and verse 32, it says, That evening after sunset, many sick and demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. The whole town gathered at the door to watch. So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons. 
You know, there are many people in churches today, they don't believe in deliverance. They don't believe that you can actually exercise spiritual authority and cast out devils. But in, in Jesus said, believers can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. The Bible says that believers can actually cast out devils. Now, that's incredible. And in many churches today, if somebody got delivered, everybody would head for the doors. They would get freaked out. But if you read the Bible and read the life of Jesus, Jesus often cast out devils and people that were messed up all of a sudden got right and they got healthy and whole. Amen. I remember uh, not long ago, uh, a lady came to me, uh, uh, came to me for prayer. It was at the end of a service and she was having a lot of uh, demonic uh, nightmares and she was losing a lot of sleep and she was she felt like there was some kind of oppression in her room and all of that and so we just talked about it for a while and I said well let's let's ask God to break that thing off of your life and so do y'all believe that God gives you spiritual authority if you don't I want you to know that as a child of God he has given you spiritual authority over the power of darkness. Amen. And so whenever we prayed for that lady and we just took authority over that and asked the Lord to break that evil oppression off of her, she just she just experienced a breakthrough and went home and slept soundly ever since. Listen, the Bible says we are in a spiritual battle. You can't serve God and not be in some kind of spiritual battle. The Bible says we don't battle against flesh and blood, but my, my brothers and sisters, we do battle in the spiritual realm. Amen? And so you, if you're going to stay free and keep your, your, your household and your life free from oppression, you need to learn that Jesus delivers his people. Amen? And so the fifth and final miracle Jesus performed was the miracle of transformation. Now, the miracle of transformation perhaps may be the greatest miracle that Jesus does. The miracle of transformation is whenever he takes somebody's life that is all broken, that is all messed up, that is like somebody that's lost, that is just struggling big time, and Jesus touches their life and totally turns their life around and he transforms them. How many of you ever experienced that in your life? Romans 12.2 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When Christ starts renewing your mind, your life is going to change. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. Whenever I became a Christian, I was 22 years old, had been doing drugs for 11 years. I mean, I was lost as a goose in high weeds. Amen. And then whenever I got saved, you know, I was excited, excited about being saved and having my sins forgiven. But man, there was, listen, I might have got saved, but there was still a lot of things going on in me that wasn't very godly or Christ-like. Amen. But I am so grateful that God is a faithful God. And as you continue to walk with him, those things in your life that you don't want there and those things that you struggle with, I want to encourage you. God is a transforming God. And when you become a Christian, he's going to change you from inside out. And you're not going to be the same person that you've ever been before. Amen. Because God is a miracle-working God. Amen. And so these are five miracles that Jesus did. Jesus' entire life was characterized by transformation. Remember when that woman was caught in adultery 
And the, and the leaders, the religious leaders, they dragged him to Jesus, dragged her to Jesus, and they said, now look, we caught her in the act of adultery. Now the Mosaic law says you need to stone her to death. Now you need, we need to stone her. And Jesus looks down, and we don't know what he wrote, but he starts writing on the ground. And he says, you who haven't sinned, cast the first stone. And, and so all of a sudden, one by one, these leaders began to leave. You know, we don't know what we wrote, what, what, what Jesus wrote on the ground, but somebody said he might have been writing the name of some mistresses of these religious leaders. I don't know. But they all left, and Jesus says, where are all your condemners? And they said, well, she said, well, they're gone. And he said, well, neither do I condemn you. You're forgiven. Go and sin no more. She walked up to Jesus and adulterer, but she left a child of God. Are y'all with me? That's the power of the gospel. Jesus is in the transforming business. Now, the same miracles that Jesus did when he walked on the earth is the same miracles that he does today. And I want to just now talk to you about how do you position yourself to receive a miracle from the Lord? Let me just go through it real quick. And I want to look at the very first miracle that Jesus did whenever he, was, he started his ministry. And it's in John chapter 2, and it's the miracle at Cana where he turned water into wine. In John 2 and verse 1, it says, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to them, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine, and he did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. This is the first of his miraculous signs that Jesus performed at Cana in Galilee. He thus revealed his glory, and his disciples put their faith in him. Now, in this first miracle that Jesus performed at the wedding in Cana here, where he turns water into wine, I can clearly see four steps that we can take as an, as a, an example to how to position yourself to receive a miracle from God. How many of you want to receive a miracle from God? How many of you need a miracle from God? How many of you don't necessarily need one, but you'll take one if he wants to give you a miracle? Here's four ways that you can position yourself to receive a miracle from God. First of all, you have to identify the miracle you need most. Now, all miracles begin with a need. As you read the life of Jesus, there was a, a need that was there, and that's why he performed a miracle. God usually does miracles for those who have legitimate needs in their life. The need of Cana was they, they had run out of wine. That's what verse 3 says. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Now, as trivial as that might seem to us, oh, they just ran out of wine at a wedding. I mean, what big deal is that? As trivial as that might seem to us, 
It wasn't so trivial to Jesus that he would perform a miracle so that need could be met. And so the point is, there's no need that we have that is too trivial. Jesus cares about us. He loves us. And just like as natural parents, we want our children to prosper. We want our children to do well. We want to help our children as much as we can. How much more the Heavenly Father wants to see His children blessed. Are y'all with me this morning? Are y'all hearing me this morning? Amen. And so listen, what is the miracle that you need in your life? I want you to take a moment to think about that. I want you to think about what to, it's important to identify that need. You remember when Jesus was going through Jericho and there was blind Bartimaeus. You remember that? Blind Bartimaeus. And he was crying out to Jesus and he was, God, son of Christ, son of David, have mercy on me. He was crying out. Everybody was trying to get him to be quiet. He cried even louder. And Jesus said, hey, bring him to me. And an interesting question Jesus asked. In Mark 10, 49, Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called him to the blind. They called the blind man. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. You could you could hear the attitude there, right? So throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and he came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. The blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Now I want to ask you a question. Do you think Jesus knew that this man was blind? In case you're struggling with the answer of that, he did. He's all knowing. He's God, right? He knew this man was blind, and then he, but he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Now, this man probably had a lot of needs. He might have been homeless. He might have been poor. I'm sure being blind wasn't the only need. I'm sure he had dealt with rejection and, and no telling what. And so he had a lot of needs there. But Jesus asked him the question, what do you want me to do for you? So Bartimaeus in, in Mark 10, 51 he says, Jesus said, the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. What's your need? What do you, if, if the Lord came to you today and asked you the question, what do you want me to do for you? What would you tell him? See, I think, you know, especially those of us that have been in church for a long time, we just get accustomed to just going to church, singing a few songs, hearing a, a, pretty, a pretty sermon, a great sermon that Pastor Stephen preaches, and just going on our merry way. But if I could encourage you today that the Lord wants us to raise our expectations and he's wanting to do some miracles in your life, because listen, the reason he does miracles is so that he can get the glory. Come on, he don't want you to just live an average life. He wants you to live an above average life, and you need to get on board with him and just say, Lord, I'm going to expect and I'm going to believe God. God for some kind of miracle to take place in my life. Amen? Amen? So what is it that you would like the Lord to do? I want to encourage you to make a mental note of it and maybe even just write it on, in your smartphone or your iPad or whatever. Just make a mental note and say, I'm going to believe God for a miracle in this part of my life. Are y'all with me? How many of you have something that you could say, man, I would like the Lord to do a miracle in this area of my life? How many of you hadn't thought of anything yet? Come on, I just want to encourage you to just, I'm trying to stir your faith this morning because I believe God is wanting to release his miracle working power in our life. So the first step, what is it? Identify the miracle you need most. Number two, I want you to, I want to, I want to uh, encourage you to set your heart on the Lord to meet that specific need. And so when when they ran out of wine at, at the wedding, 
Where did the mother of Jesus go for help? She went to Jesus, right? Even though he was her son, she went to Jesus. She didn't go for the wedding attendants. She didn't go to the wedding caterer if there was such a thing. She went to Jesus for the answer. And so in John 2 and 3, it says, When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. And he said, Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My time has not yet come. Why do you involve me? I think if you want a miracle in your life, you have to involve him. You have to get him involved. And so here's an important, another important step to positioning yourself for a miracle in your life. It's turn your heart towards the Lord and, and ask him and put your, your hope and your trust in him for a miracle. You know what I found? It's easy to put your trust in people, in places, in things, anything but the Lord. We have this need in our life, but we're turning to everybody else except the Lord. If you want a miracle, you got to put your faith and your trust in him for that miracle. Amen. Come on, listen, the government might be able to help you. Your employer might be able to help you. You know, resources around my people, friends, family might be able to help you. But nobody can help you like the king of kings and the Lord of lords who owns everything and can help you with the needs that you have. Amen. So how do you turn your heart towards the Lord? There's two elements to this, I believe. First is you have to make an intentional decision to trust the Lord. You have to make an intentional decision. When I asked you earlier, do you believe in miracles? What did you say? You see, if you want to receive a miracle, you have to believe in miracles. Remember when Jesus went to his hometown, it says that he couldn't do many things there. He couldn't do many miracles there. Why? Well, did he lose power? No, it had nothing to do with him. It had to do with the people that he was ministering to. They said, oh, this is just Joseph's, this is Joseph's son. I mean, that's Jesus. I mean, he's, he's a nobody. See, they didn't know who they were dealing with. And so I believe that we have to put our faith and trust in the Lord and we have to believe him to do a miracle in our life. That's where miracles happen. Amen. But the second element is you got to ask the Lord for help. You got to begin asking him for help. You must pray. And that's what exactly Mary did. She asked Jesus for help. And so many people don't receive miracles in their life because they never asked Jesus for a miracle in their life. In fact, James 4.2 says, you do not have what you want because you do not ask God for it. You got to ask God. Miracles happen to those who turn their heart towards the Lord and they ask him. Now, here's another key, another important key. Don't just ask God one time. And if you don't get your miracle, give up on it. You got to hold on to faith. Faith is say, keeps, as Jesus said, at all times we should pray and not faint or not give up. And he uses this analogy of this little, this little lady that went knocking on the, on the judge's door for some, for some bread. And he didn't want to get out of bed, but he's like, man, she's not going to quit bothering me. And he, she, he opens the door, gives her some bread to serve her guests. And Jesus used that analogy to say, come on, you got to keep knocking. You got to keep asking. Amen. In, in Matthew 7 and 7, in the New Living Translation, it says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. Amen. Notice the word keep. Keep on. 
Keep on seeking. Keep on asking. Keep on means don't give up after you've prayed a time or two. Come on, just believe God that that he's going to move heaven and earth on your behalf. Amen. You know, I was thinking about this and whenever I got saved, I was 22. I was single and uh, I, of course, I wanted to get married. And so I wanted the Lord to provide me, you know, and I had some criteria. I wanted her to be saved. I wanted her to love Jesus. I wanted her to be interested in the, in the things of God, in the ministry. I wanted her to be hot, you know, all those things, you know. And, uh, you know, I remember, you know, starting to pray that. And I got this scripture in Psalm 37. And in verse 4, it says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he will do it. That's a great passage of scripture. So I just started reminding the Lord of these verses. Lord, you said if I delight in you, that you would just give me the desires of my heart. Lord, here's my desire. You know, I prayed that. I prayed it a week. I prayed it a month. I prayed it a year. I prayed it two years. I was getting tired of spending money to to rent tuxedos for all my friends that were getting married. I was like, Lord, have you forgot about your servant, Todd? I want to get married. Six years later, the Lord allowed Tanya and I to get married. So I tell you that story to just encourage your heart. Her, Tanya's parents, their son was an alcoholic 30 years He was an alcoholic. They'd pray for him. They'd pray for him. They'd pray for him, for God to help him. He was lost. His life was a mess. His kids didn't want to have nothing to do with him. He had burned all his bridges. He was in a very, very low place. And they kept crying out to God. One day he stumbles in the church. He comes up to the altar. He gives his life to Christ. The next day he went to rehab. After he got a, a, a detox, rather, right after he left the hospital and detox, he went up to Bastrop. He went into Freedom Challenge. He went through a year program, got delivered from alcohol. It's been 10 years now. Now he's working in the ministry, helping other people get set free. I'm trying to tell you that God is a God of miracles. Amen. And you just got to keep asking and believing God to do a miracle for you. Amen. Now let's wrap this up. Step number three, the third ingredient to receiving a miracle from God, the positioning yourself to receive a miracle from God is do what the Lord tells you to do. you got to do what he tells you. You know, in John 2 and 5, it says, His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews. Listen what they were for. For ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned to wine. Now think about it for a moment. These jars that Jesus tells to fill, it's not like pitchers that we have in our kitchens that's, you you know, the the Kool-Aid pitcher. The, the iced tea pitcher, these are like jars they used to wash feet and stuff like that, right? And so Jesus says, bring these jars over, fill them with water. And they say, man, we need wine. What are you talking about? Water. But they did so. They did exactly what Jesus told them to do. And, the, and then they, Jesus says, okay, now go and take the water and give it to the servants. 
what, why, why am I going to give them water? They want wine, not water. And as, as they gave the water out, it was wine. Here's the principle. Obedience is the key to receiving a miracle in your life. You've got to do what he says to do. Are you all with me? And so listen, what, what would have happened if the servants didn't obey? There probably wouldn't have been any miracle. And so sometimes when you're believing God for a miracle, sometimes, you know, I was just telling you earlier, don't put your faith in man. Don't put your faith in people. Don't put your faith in your business or your job or whatever. Don't put your faith in natural things. Put your faith in God. That might be the step that you need to take for the miracle to begin to be released in your life where you don't put your faith in man and you put your faith in him. Obedience is required for a miracle to happen. Amen. And so remember whenever the disciples uh, were listening to Jesus teach and he was teaching them and he said, hey, guys, by the way, now we're done. We're done here. Why don't you get in your boat and just just, you know, just go out in the sea a little bit and go fishing. And they said, oh, Lord, you know, we've been fishing all night long. We have caught nothing. There's nothing out there, Lord. There's no fish in that lake. That must be the Dead Sea right there. There's no fish there. And Jesus said, oh, yeah, just, just wait out a little bit. Threw in your nets. And they went and did what, he did what he said. And what does the Bible say? They caught so many fish that their boat was sinking. They had to call a friend over. Hey, bring your boat and put some of the fish in their boat. I mean, they had the greatest catch of their life. But it all was because they obeyed the Lord. How many of you know there's power in obedience? When the Lord tells you to do something, just do it. Amen. And no telling what might happen. And so then finally, fourth, the fourth key, I think, to staying, to, to positioning yourself to receiving a miracle is to stay in the miracle spot. Kind of like the sweet spot. You know, the miracle spot, I believe, is the place of humility. And, you know, think about it. It took humility for Mary to ask her son to help her solve the problem. When you think about it, it took the servants some humility to listen to this man serve water because that's what it was at the time. It took humility. But humility positions you to receive a miracle from God. The Bible says in James 4.10, humble yourselves, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. You know, nothing releases God's power for the miraculous in your life than when you humble yourself before God and say, God, I need some help. And you know what? Nothing blocks God's power like pride. I don't need your help. I don't need you. I don't need you. The Bible says God opposes the proud but he gives grace to the humble. The miracle spot is the place of humility before God. What is humility, though? Does it mean being timid, being shy, being soft-spoken? You know, some people think humility is just like kind of hanging your head. No, you could still be arrogant and proud and boastful and, and be shy. It has nothing to do with your temperament. I think it has to do with the posture of your heart. Are you trusting in God? Are you relying on God? It's humbling before yourself under the mighty hand of God. That's what I think true humility is. Amen? 
So you could be bold and be humble all at the same time. The Bible says, come boldly to the throne of grace and you will receive mercy and help in time of need. How many of you need a miracle today? Let me see your hands. How many of you would like God to do a miracle for you? Let me see your hands. Would you do me a favor? And would you just stand up with me for just a moment? I'd like to just practice what, what I just shared with you this morning. I want you to just close your eyes with me for just a moment this morning. And I want you to just take a moment to, to just kind of stir yourself up. How many of you, whenever I say, what is it that you would like God to do? God immediately placed something on your heart and you knew what you wanted to ask God for. If, you, if, if that was you, just raise your hands right now and, and just let's lift them. And, and we're going to join our faith together right now. Now, I want to just encourage you right where you are. Do you believe that God is able to do this? Do you believe that God is capable? Now, maybe some of you this morning, you said, Todd, I've already prayed about that. I've already asked the Lord about that. Maybe you've been, maybe you've prayed about it a hundred times and maybe you've kind of given up on hope. Maybe you've kind of given in trusting God and believing God. But this morning, I want to just hopefully just reignite your faith. And I want you to just stir you up this morning to believe that for you to put your faith in a God of the miraculous that does miracles. There's nothing he can't do. He can move mountains. He can move heaven and earth. He can part the Red Sea. He can raise the dead. There's nothing he can't do. So come on, let's right now, put, let's, let's turn our heart towards the Lord. And I want to just tell, I just want to encourage you to just begin talking to God now and say, Lord, I believe, I believe that you can give me a miracle this morning. I believe believe that you can give me a breakthrough this morning. Father God, I join my heart. I join my faith with everyone that's in this room that is believing in, that is trusting in. Lord, I pray right now that God, you would just begin, Lord, to release divine provision for them. Lord, I pray that you'd begin to remove the roadblock. Lord, whether it be a miracle of, uh, of natural means, whether it be a, a miracle of healing, a miracle of supply. Lord, whether they need a breakthrough in their own life, whether they need spiritual oppression broken off of them or their family. I pray this morning in the name of Jesus that you would release your supernatural power in this place. We bind up the works of the enemy. We break his power. We break its hold. And we declare right now in the name of Jesus that the enemy is releasing what belongs to us. We're claiming it by faith and we're receiving the miraculous power of God in our lives. Thank you, Father, that, Lord, you're helping us right now. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. 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 God bless you. Again, thank you so much for the privilege of being with you today, Stephen. Right. Let's give the Lord a hand. You know, this text is so great because it's the beginning of increase, not only in Mary's life, in the disciples' life, but in all of Israel. The king has stepped in, and this is the start of his ministry, right? In John 2, what we've been reading, it's the beginning of increase of a spiritual awakening. Is that, That's what we want in our life. Let's pray as we close. Father, I thank you. Thank you for Todd and Tanya, Lord. I thank you that you're blessing them and that they're seeing increase in their life over the next years, Lord, and not decrease increase and not decrease. Father, I thank you for this congregation. 
Lord, when you step in, increase happens. And I thank you that we are increasing in our knowledge of you, increasing in our interaction with the Holy Spirit, increasing in our interaction with other people filled with your presence, other people who trust in Jesus. And I thank you that we're seeing an increase in every area of our lives. And we're asking in the strong name of Jesus, the only Son of God, and everyone said, Amen and amen. Now let's give him one last praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that increase. Thank you for that miracle. God bless you and amen. Have a great day.